Now, last week we began this series called Relate, which is a series on relationships. And we talked about last week that good relationships are truly the key to success in life. It doesn't matter how, how high the corporate ladder you go. It doesn't matter how much power, wealth you have. If you don't have any relationships, you're, you're not in good shape, right? The better your relationships, the better your life will be, hands down. But we talked about good relationships don't just happen automatically or by accident. I think it's safe to say that people who have or enjoy great relationships, they put a priority on relationships, they put a value on relationships, and they invest in relationships. And we're living in a day and an age where relationships are like, you know, uh, like throwaway. Like relationships don't really mean much. But I think today, like never before, we need to really emphasize the importance of relationships because they are key. People who enjoy great relationships are people that work hard at developing great relationships. And so our purpose for this series is to be intentional about building great relationships. Now, last week, we began the series talking about the marriage relationship. And, um, and we talked about building marriages that last. Because the reality is a lot of marriages aren't lasting. Not just out there in the world, but in the church as well. And I just want to stop to mention that to help us to strengthen our marriages. Two of the life groups that we're going to be making available is Love and Respect, which is going to be in September. Uh, which is a great small group study. And then there's a new study coming out uh, by John um, and Lisa Bevere called The Story of Marriage, which Tony and Brenda, I think, are going to be facilitating. And that's starting in, the, in about mid-October, October 15th, I think. So I tell you that to say, listen, if you're married, invest in your marriage because it's the best thing you could do if you're married. Amen? Listen, it'll cost you a lot to not... For your marriage not to work, not just financially, but relationally. Amen. But today we want to talk about another relationship, and that's the relationship of our parent-child relationships. And the title of our message today is How to Raise Children to Become Responsible Adults. Now, again, I want to say as we begin, if you're not married and you don't have any children, don't check out. Don't turn me off. Listen. Because you could be right in the middle of parenting in a very short time. Amen. And, and every, everybody else, as we talk about parenting, you might learn the reason for some of the positive and negative attributes or issues in your own life. Because the reality is we are products of the environment we were raised in. Isn't that true? And so, you know, that's why we, we tend to go back to childhood memories and we want, we want to go back to things that we experienced when we were young because our upbringing has such a powerful effect on our life. Amen. And so listen, I want to begin by reading this story, which I think sets the stage for this message today. It was a normal day, but one that would forever change my friend's parenting. We had finished dinner and I was visiting with my friend Allison and her husband Bruce when she left the dinner table to do some chores. Bruce and I continued to talk until a phone call took him away as well. So I went to see if I could, if I could lend Allison a hand. I could hear her in the 14-year-old son Cameron's room. I walked in to a scene that jolted me. She was cheerfully putting away clothes, sports equipment, making the bed. She struck up a conversation if things were normal. 
I can't wait for you to see the pictures from my trip. I was so excited about it. And I said, what are you doing? I'm cleaning up Cameron's room. She said, what does it look like I'm doing? You are what? I told you I'm cleaning up his room. What are you looking at me like that for? All I could do was to share with her the vision in my head. I just feel sorry for Cameron's future wife. Allison straightened up, froze for a moment, and then hurried from the room. I walked into the hall to see her standing there motionless. Not knowing what to say, I said nothing. And after a few moments, she looked at me and said, I never thought about it that way. Now, I, I read that story to say, for this reason, there are a lot of parents who are just like Allison. They're short-sighted, and they're just focusing on the present of their parenting and not realizing the full impact of their parenting. You know, it's very common for parents to parent in the present without ever thinking about how their parenting is going to affect their children futuristically. And so as parents, we must remember, while we're parenting, we are preparing our children for the future. Amen? The end result of our parenting should be to raise children who are healthy and responsible adults. Is that right? Come on, let me hear an amen. Amen. So let's talk about it. How do you raise children who become healthy, responsible adults? I want to give you five keys that I think will help. Number one, key number one, begin with the end in mind. And that's not an original uh, statement on my part. But begin with the end in mind means this. From the time our children are infants... We should be asking these questions. What can I as a parent now, what can I do as a parent now while my child is young, give them an advantage and help them to live a responsible and healthy life when they become an adult? You know, and listen, those of you that have small children, this message can be a huge advantage for you. Because as you get alone, uh, for, as your children get older, it gets more challenging. But listen, it, you know, to try to make this point, begin with the end in time or end in mind. Let me just say this. You know, parenting is like as if you're preparing your child for a long journey and you have to figure out what's the most valuable things you want to put in their backpack, put in their bags for their trip. What is it that will be the best benefit for them? In other words, you have to get a vision for your parenting. You have to get a a vision. A vision is a mental picture of what you want to deposit in your child's life to help them survive the journey called life. Amen? Now, I believe, listen, we can do great and we can give our children a huge advantage. Listen to this verse. Habakkuk 2.3 says this. The vision is for a future time. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently, for it would surely take place. It will not be delayed. Listen, a vision for parenting means you have your sight set on the end product. It means you have a mental picture of your child, uh, the child that you want to raise. You know, I believe the most effective parents 
are those with a vision. They don't just wake up every morning and just, you know, wipe up the throw up or, you know, change the poopy diaper or do stuff like that. But, you know, they have a vision of why they, they are cleaning up the throw up. They have a vision of why they tending to their children day in and day out. In other words, they begin with the end in mind. And I believe if we can get this, that listen, our little infant is not going to stay an infant very long. You know, I remember when Olivia was born, I had so many people tell me, hey, invest in time with your children because it happens before you know it, they grow up. And how many of you parents or grandparents say amen to that? I mean, you love just having them right here, but it's like two weeks later, they can't stay right here anymore. They're growing up. Amen. So you got to learn to get the vision of begin with the end in mind. You look at what you're doing presently to say, what kind of healthy, responsible child can I uh, invest in so that they can have a successful life? The second key to raising children to become responsible adults is this. Invest the time in training your children to live right. Invest the time. You know, this is what Proverbs 22, 6. Train children how to live right, and when they are old, they will not change. Now, you know, you know, I've heard people say, well, you know, that Bible shouldn't be in the verse because I train my children in church, and they're, you know, not serving God. It's, it's not a law. It's a principle. But it's true that if you train your children and you invest in your children, whenever they get older, they're going to remember the stuff that you showed them. How many of you grandparents say amen to that? And so listen, training a child, to train your child, I think a couple of good questions to ask is, what is the wisest way or what do I want to teach my children? What do I want to, what do I want to teach them? What do I want to give to them? You know, in other words, um, do I want them to learn, uh, you know, do I want them to learn how to respect people? What do I want them to learn? That's a good question to ask. But the other question is, how can I teach that principle to them? How can I teach it? I believe it's not just good to have, uh, you know, a, a plan. It's not just good to have, you know, a, uh, an intention. You got to have a strategy to bring forth that intention. Amen. You got to have a strategy. It's, you know, we all say we want healthy, responsible children, but we have to ask ourselves, how, what can I do to help, to invest, to train my child to be? You know, training means, it, it means to, to invest, to take the initiative, to teach them and to show them what it is to be a healthy, responsible child. And so you got to come up with a plan. You got to come up with a strategy. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about this, like, you know, like, for instance, an example is like, I remember whenever I was growing up or whenever Tanya and I were raising up Olivia, she was just young. One of our values is we wanted to teach her how to have financial stewardship because I'd hear all these adults say, I'm still paying my child's rent and he's 45 years old. And I thought, oh, my goodness, I don't want to pay my child's rent at 45 years old. And so how do you not do that? You teach them financial management. Amen. You teach them financial stewardship. And so one day, Tanya and I were actually coming back from vacation and we heard this program. Uh, it was Larry Burkett. He's deceased now, but he was teaching about how to show children to develop financial stewardship. And he talked about this, uh, this plastic like uh, money bank kind of thing that they had. And, uh, and, and as he explained it, we ordered one. And basically what it was was this plastic thing that had three buildings on it. One was a church, one was a bank, and one was a store. And, and he was saying that what you, what you do is, you, you know, you teach your child financial good biblical financial stewardship 
is you tithe 10% of your income. You honor God with your wealth. And then you learn to save. So you, you find, you tithe 10%. You save 10% or whatever it was. I think with Olivia, we encouraged her to save 20% or something like that. But, you know, we started giving her a little, a little allowance. And then we, you know, broke it up in dollar bills and said, you know, and she was just, just small. We said, okay, you put a dollar in church. You put a dollar in the bank. And then the $8, that's what you bring to the store. And, you know, we, we began to just teach her. And, it, you know, learning about that one object helped us come up with a strategy to teach our daughter financial management. You know, another thing I heard that people that read are more likely to succeed in life and they'll keep learning all their days if they learn to read. And so we said, man, listen. And they said, most people that like to read are taught to read whenever they're young. So we, we made it a priority when Olivia was young. Before she could even read, we'd take these books, sit her on our lap and read these, you know, these books with few words and lots of pictures. And when, before she'd go to bed, we'd read these books, a few words and lots of pictures. And as she got older, a few less pictures, a few more words. But we began to just do that. And, you know, to this day, Olivia loves to read. And so I'm so grateful for that because I know that she'll be able to learn the rest of her days just because she enjoys reading. Are you all understanding what I'm saying? So, you know, listen, if you're going to train your child, first of all, you got to decide what is it you want them to know whenever they get old? What is it that you want them to know? But number two is how are you going to teach that? What's the wisest way to teach them? Here's what I believe. Intentions are not good enough to accomplish the goal of raising children who are responsible and healthy adults. Amen? And so, if we're going to teach them to be responsible adults, we got to train them. You know, listen, you ever walked into Walmart and you got a four-year-old that stops the whole productivity of Walmart because a little four-year-old is having a temper tantrum on the floor riding the servant line? You ever, ever experienced that? Now listen, I'm not being ugly and I don't mean to be critical. But there's no reason why a four-year-old should stop the whole productivity of Walmart because a child can't have a candy bar. Are y'all with me? You can train that child. Remember, Brother Francis used this illustration, and I'm not trying to be insulting. I'm just, it, it was so powerful when he told, when he mentioned this. He said, listen, those of you that are hunters, you teach your lab to fetch. You teach them to stay. You teach them to go at your command. You train a dog. Children are smarter than dogs. And they can learn. But whenever you bring in the worldly concept of this, if you train them, you're going to mess up their creativity. That's not biblical. Amen? You can train children. You can train them to behave. It's way too quiet to hear somebody say amen. Yes, amen. You can train children. My parents did. Didn't yours? Amen. But listen, the point is to train a child, you have to figure out what you want them to learn and then develop a process or strategy to teach them. You know, the proverb says that if you don't train your child up, they're going to embarrass you when they get old. 
They're going to embarrass you. In fact, you ain't got to wait till they get old. Four years old, right? Two years old, amen? Now listen, let me, you know, this is not in my notes, but I just want to stop to say this. An infant, they don't need any training, much training. Let me say that. What they need is a whole lot of love and nurturing, amen? You love on that baby and you sow all kinds of godly, affectionate love into them. But as they get older, you got to begin to, you got to begin to train them a little bit. And so I, I don't think that we're teaching even, we're not teaching even the church this. And so let me listen. You know, in our resource center, we have that story I just read comes out of the book Boundaries with Kids. It's an incredible book on parenting. If you have small ones, you would do yourself service to take the time to read that book, to learn. Because you're going to save yourself a whole lot of heartache on the back end. Here's another thing. I didn't have it in my notes, but I want to say. You know, if we don't take the time to train our children when they're young, whenever they get older, they're going to give us a lot of trouble. But if you do it the other way, if you don't pay on the front end, you're going to pay on the back end. But if you pay on the front end, you're going to be blessed on the back end. Amen. And the price tag is always higher on the back end than on the front end. Amen. Now, listen, I know you could do your best and it still don't work out. But I like what my brother used to say. He said, listen, you can't take all the credit for the good in your children, but you can't take all the credit for the bad in your children either. Amen. Come on. They got their own sinful nature themselves. And even though you show them the way that don't mean they're going to go the way. Right. Come on. Let me hear an amen right there. All right. A third key to raising children to be responsible adults is teaching them to take responsibility for their choices. In other words, teach them to take responsibility for the consequences of their behavior, whether good or bad. When we teach our children to take responsibility for the consequences of their behavior, good or bad, we're really teaching them the spiritual law of sowing and reaping. The law of sowing and reaping says this, Galatians 6, 7, Don't be deceived, God is not mocked, A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please the sinful nature will from that nature reap destruction. But the one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. That's the law of sowing and reaping. You plant corn, you harvest corn. You plant beans, you harvest beans. Right? You make bad choices, you got a bad harvest. You make good choices, you get a good harvest. The law of sowing and reaping. The positive side of learning the law of sowing and reaping is this. It gives them the sense by being responsible, they can better their life. They learn that when you responsibly work hard, you get rewarded with dollars and cents. Amen? Number two, they learn when you responsibly obey your parents, you gain privileges and enjoy more freedoms. And all the parents said, They learn that when you responsibly manage your money, you can buy things you really desire and want. Amen. The negative side of uh, learning the law of sowing and reaping is it gives us a healthy sense of the consequences of making bad choices. They learn that if you're lazy and you don't want to work, then you face the consequences of having no money or reward. They learn that if they choose not to obey their parents, they lose privileges and lose freedoms. They learn that when you irresponsibly manage your money, you have to live broke. It's the law of sowing and reaping. Now, here's the secret to teaching the law of sowing and reaping. 
Like God, we should encourage our children to live responsibly by rewarding them when they do right. By affirming them, blessing them with some kind of reward. Do you know we're all motivated by reward? And God helps us along in our spiritual journey by motivating us by reward. How many of you know that? It's a biblical concept. And Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. So God encourages us to live responsibly by rewarding us with the affirmation of His love and His Spirit and the blessing of His favor. Amen? The more godly that you live, the better you can enjoy God's blessing. And like God, we too should encourage our children by rewarding them when they do right, by affirming them with words and blessing them with some kind of reward. And it's a motivation. You know, in other words, what I'm saying is that, you know, our children don't just need to hear every time they do something wrong. They need to hear when they do something right. They need to be encouraged. They need to be affirmed when they do something right. Amen? And so we should encourage them. But listen, like God, we should also encourage our children to live responsibly by allowing them to experience the negative consequences of their choices. Listen what verse 8 says. The one who sows to please a sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. So listen, God doesn't keep us from experiencing the negative consequences of our wrong choices. And neither should we as parents. We shouldn't protect them from that. So we should encourage our children to live responsibly by allowing them to face the consequences of wrong choices. Are y'all tracking with me or did I lose you? Listen, I believe that some of the most irresponsible and unhealthy adults around are those whose parents never allow them to face the consequences of their wrong choices. They protect them from the from the penalty of their wrong choices, or we come to their rescue and we don't let them feel the heat of their wrong choices. And so they never learn the consequences of doing the wrong thing. You know, somebody said this. Sometimes we as parents try to protect our children from the very thing that has helped us mature as adults. We protect them from the very thing that has helped us grow as a person. And that's the adversity of wrong choices. Amen? Come on, it's way too quiet in here. Say amen. So the bottom line is this. If we don't allow them to experience the negative consequences of their wrong choices, they will grow up thinking there's no consequences to sin. And my friend, as good as we think we are, we cannot protect our children from the consequences of sin. Amen? We can't do it. So we need to take the time to show them, teach them the law of sowing and reaping. By When they make good choices, reward them. When they make bad choices, allow them to feel the heat of those wrong choices. And they're going to learn this principle. If I do right, I get blessed. If I don't do right, I don't get blessed. And it translates over into their relationship with Jesus. And whenever they're out of your house and they groan and they groan, they will understand if I put my hand on the hot stove, it burns. Don't put your hand on the hot stove. Amen? A fourth key to raising children who are responsible adults is 
intentionally teach them people skills. Now listen, if we can teach our children how to get along with others, they will have a huge advantage in life and they will get along well in life. Amen? People skills. People skills help you to win friends and influence people. People skills help you to enjoy a successful marriage. People skills help you to keep your job and make advancement in your career. People skills will help your child or keep your child from living a lonely, isolated life. People skills is one of the best things that we can help our children learn. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12 says this, Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. Now, this is the golden rule. And the golden rule says this. If you treat people the way you want to be treated, you will build great relationships. Amen? Because the golden rule reminds us that everybody wants to be respected. So teach your children to respect people. Teach them to say, ma'am, no, sir. Teach them to say, I'm sorry, please excuse me. Teach them to speak kindly to others. Teach them to respect people. If they don't learn to respect people, they're going to get on the job. They're going to disrespect their boss, and the boss won't give them a raise. Amen? If you don't teach them to respect people, they're going to get married. They're going to disrespect their spouse, and their spouse is going to say, I'm out of here. And they're going to want to move back into your house. I just got some parents' attention right there. Amen. Now, the golden rule reminds us that everybody wants to be appreciated. So teach your, your children to show appreciation. In other words, teach them to express appreciation when they're served. Teach them to say thank you when they've been helped or given a gift. It's, it's just teach to show them how to express appreciation. And, and whenever you get in the circles of friendship, you don't just take for granted when people help you. You don't just take for granted when people serve you. You appreciate what people do for you. And it's, an, it's a value that can be taught right in the home. The golden rule also reminds us that everyone wants to be valued, so teach your children to value others. In other words, never allow them to mistreat, bully their sibling, or their neighbors, or their friends. Don't allow them to backhand their friends or push them over. Whenever you see that, you got to show them that that's not the way you treat others. Amen? Don't allow them to tease other kids and be ugly. The golden rule reminds us that everybody wants friends, so teach your children to be friendly to others. Teach them to be kind. Teach them to be compassionate, to show sympathy. Treat, teach them to show courteous to others. Amen? Teach them the golden rule. Now, the question is, how do you teach your children to respect, appreciate, be friendly, and value others? How do you do that? Well, I believe you do it by paying attention to the way they're treating people around them and correcting them when they're doing it wrong. Right? That's how you do it. Don't let them just get away with it. If you let them just get away with it, then they're going to think that's normal and that's the way people treat each other. So you got to train them by teaching them how to respect. You know, listen, we can't get mad at children for doing something that we haven't taught them to do. And sometimes we get angry and we fuss at our children and get mad at them for doing something 
that we never taught them to do. That's unfair. This is a quiet morning. It's true, isn't it? It's like if you show up at work and you and your boss reprimands you, cuts your pay because you're not doing what he what you're not doing certain things, but you never he never told you to do that. See, that might work whenever they're young, but whenever they get older, that's not going to fly. It's not going to fly and you're going to run into some rebellious children. So you got to first train them and teach them. And what, remember, we're preparing them for success. Proverbs 22, 6 says, train children how to live right. And when they're old, they will not change. You know, somebody said parenting is like working with wet cement. You can easily form it when it's wet. But once it's dry, it's hard to change. Amen. Younger children are a lot easier to train. And once they get older, it becomes a lot more difficult. But let me express this one more time before we move on. You know, sometimes as parents, we don't want to be bothered by children. You know, we have children, but we don't want to be bothered by them. And so we want them to be quiet and not interrupt our schedule or whatever we're doing. And so we just kind of like want them to behave. And so, you know, we just, you know, put a video on, say, watch this video while you go do whatever. Or, you know, we give them something to occupy them, entertain them. Because we're trying to get out of spending the time of training them. But whenever they get older and they're not watching videos anymore, and they're going down the road with their neighbors, they only have what we took the time to train them while they were at our feet. So we have to take the time to train them while they're at our feet. So whenever they get down the road, they'll know how to act because they learned it while we invested in them while they were under our feet. Amen. And finally, the fifth key to raising children who become responsible adults is this. Intentionally help them develop spiritual maturity. You know, the real goal of every parent should be to help their children become spiritually mature. Help them to develop a personal relationship with Christ. Listen, of all the things, you know, like, let me just give you, for example, a worldly philosophy is if I can get them to get a college degree or a master's, I've set them up for life. That's a worldly philosophy. There's nothing. I mean, you know, it's it's been proven that people who have college degrees typically make more wage. So that's a great thing to do. But you never elevate education over their spiritual walk. I mean, that would be an unwise thing to do. Because, listen, they can get the education and be soaring career-wise, and if they don't have morality, and they don't have godly character, they can fall in a minute from climbing the corporate ladder of education. Amen? Are y'all with me out there? And so really, listen, the goal. Listen, let me, let me, one more example. It's great to give our, ch- our kids a chance to play t-ball and soccer and football and all of that, but never allow them to experience all that there is in athletics at the expense of their spiritual walk. Because listen, hitting the ball out of the park is not going to help them get along with their wife when they get married. 
Come on, I'm preaching right now. I'm not saying don't let your children play ball. I think you ought to do your best to help them play ball, but not at the expense of their spiritual life. Never sacrifice their spiritual maturity on the altar of education, of athletics, or any other thing. Amen? Proverbs 15.9. Why should we teach spiritual maturity? Proverbs 15.9. The Lord detests the way of the wicked. But he loves those who pursue godliness. The Lord detests the way of the wicked. But the Lord loves those who pursue godliness. Would you want your child to live in a way that detests the Lord? Or a way that the Lord is pleased and loves? I think that's another IQ question right there. Proverbs thirteen six says, Godliness guards the path of the blameless. But the evil are misled by sin. Godliness guards the path of the blameless. So the reason we want to teach our children to become spiritually mature is this. The godly our children become, the more blessed of the Lord their lives will be. The better, they're, the better connected to God they are, the better they're. Do y'all believe this? Do you think this is true? Listen, if you don't believe that serving God betters your life, then you should not waste all your time in church. Amen. The reason why we do this is we believe that serving God is the best way to live your life because that's how God created you. And that's what God wants you to do is to live for him and worship him. Amen. And so we should teach our children that first Timothy four, eight says physical training is good. But training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and the life to come. Now, I don't know if you believe in the life to come. But if you believe in Christianity, you must believe in the life to come. And part of helping them to grow spiritually is preparing them for the life to come. Because one day they're going to breathe their last and they're going to cross over to the other side. And depending on where they are spiritually will determine their eternity. That's a good motivation to make this a priority. Now, according to Paul, spiritual maturity and godliness doesn't just happen automatically. Spiritual maturity and godliness comes through training again. And so, back up, rewind. Begin with the end in mind. It's a lot easier to sow the seeds of faith in an infant and a child than it is a teenager, an 18-year-old. Begin with the end in mind. So you have to determine that I'm going to create an environment that my children, and I know some people are raising their grandchildren, take this to heart. Sow the seeds of righteousness in them. Amen? Because that those seeds are going to be in their life for all of eternity. It comes through training. So we should train them. We should teach them to have a, first of all, a personal walk with Christ. There's no, God doesn't have grandchildren. He only has children. You know what I mean by that? Let me, let me explain. If your mama is a Christian, it don't mean you're a Christian. It means you need to have, be a Christian. If your daddy was a Christian, it doesn't mean you're a Christian. You gotta be a Christian. You don't have a grandchildren. So everybody needs to be Have a personal walk with Christ. Really, the goal is salvation. Amen? 
And listen to what the Bible says in Proverbs or Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. So listen, whenever they're very small, listen, while they're in the belly, pray over them. God, fill them with the Spirit. You know, like, uh, who was it? Uh, Elizabeth that... Um, that leapt in the, uh, who was John the Baptist that leapt in Elizabeth's womb? You know, hey, pray for them to be filled with the Spirit and have wisdom before they're even born into this world. Amen? And whenever you hold them in your arm, sing songs of praise and worship to them and quote the Word over them. Amen? Influence them under the Word of God before they can even know the Word of God. Amen? And then after they get old and they begin to teach them, you know, if you're going to read to them, read them the Bible storybook. And we have some, I think, in the resource center. Teach, you know, read them the Bible where they know all the stories before they even know anything else. Amen. And as they get older, their faith is going to be automatic because we've sowed the seeds in them. Amen. And so. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger but train them in the instruction of the Lord. So we have to take the time to train them. But listen, we should model the Christian life for them. You know, children learn in two ways, by instruction and by influence. We do too, by the way. You know, listen, I've learned that if you're trying to serve God and you get around worldly people, you're going to start acting worldly. Because worldly people will... Good, bad company corrupts good morals, right? That's what the Bible says. And I've learned that if you get, if you hang around more godly people, it's going to tend to make you want to become more godly because you're going to feel bad if you don't, right? And so listen, you know, children won't do what we say. They'll do what we do. They'll do what we do. So it's not just good enough to say, hey, there's Christ. Paul said, listen, follow Christ, follow me as I follow Christ. So if we really want to impact our children spiritually, don't point the way, go the way. Don't say this is the way to go. Go the way. See, they need to see it lived out in our home. If the Bible is not important enough for you, why should it be for your children? Amen. Are y'all still tracking with me? And so the, the, the most powerful influence, the, the most powerful way that we learn is not by information. It's by, it's by modeling. It's by seeing it played out. And so, man, whenever they get old and they get married or they start establishing their own life, they need to get a picture of this is what it is. To live the Christian life. I got a picture in my mind because my mom and dad lived it out in the front of us day in and day out. Amen. Y'all receive this today? Raising children to become responsible adults. Amen. Now, let me just before we close, let me just say this. You know, I know parents that have done their best, raised their children in church and all that. And their children are not where they need to be right now. And I can't imagine the heartbreak of that. But I want to encourage you to not give up, not throw in the towel, not quit trying. You know, I heard somebody say, you know, if you and your, if your children are not in a right relationship right now, 
serve your way back in. Serve your way back in. Listen, I don't care how tough we may be. We might have biceps the size of the Cajun Dome, but every one of us needs love. Every one of us needs affirmation and affection. Amen. Every one of us needs somebody to, to love on us and, to, and to just encourage us along in life and be there when we trip and we, we bloody up our knees. Amen. And as parents, as grandparents, if your children are grown and gone, I encourage you, serve your way back in. Amen. Come on, cook some ribeyes and invite them to come. They might not come no otherwise, but when you, they hear you cooking ribeyes, they're on the way, baby. They're coming. Amen. Come on, boil some crawfish and invite them to come. Amen. Do what you need to do, but serve your way back into their life. Amen. And build a relationship because it's, listen, as long as you're still alive, by virtue of the position that you are as mama or daddy, you're going to influence your children. I don't care if they got a beard. You can still influence them. Amen. Come on, are y'all with me out there? Come on, stand with me. And let's close in prayer. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let me see one more time. How many parents we have in here? Let me see your hands. Wow, look at that. Parents and grandparents. Y'all just, both of you, just raise your hands. Well, and I just thought about it. You can't be a grandparent unless you've been a parent, right? <laughs> hey, I'm slow, but I get there. All right, all right. All right, let's pray for all the parents and grandparents. Come on, I know you want to do the right job. I know you want to do the right thing. So let's ask the Lord to help us right now. You know, the reality is we got a world that is that is coming against the family like nobody's business, trying to tear it up, trying to pull it apart. But we need God's protection, God's grace. And I believe that if we, with good intentions and good heart, just do our best, God will help us. God will help us to raise children that will be healthy, and responsible, and godly children. Father, I pray today that, God, you would help us today. God, help us today to knock the chip off of our shoulder if we got one. God, help us today to just uh, humble ourselves. God, help us today to just look to you for divine guidance, spiritual leadership. Lord, this is such a hard job. It takes so much sacrifice. So much investment. But God, what greater way to invest our lives and invest in our children to raise a godly seed that will carry your name for generations to come. God, I pray that you touch every one of us here today, every parent and grandparent here today. And God, may we have the grace, the blessing, and the privilege, Lord, of being able to sow the seeds of spiritual principles into the lives of our children and experience the reward and the harvest of doing so. I pray in Jesus' name. Listen, if you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, you've never personally encountered Christ, you got to do that. You can't give your children what you don't have. You can't give your children what you don't possess. 
If you've never really surrendered your, your heart and asked Jesus to forgive you, I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. If that's you, just raise your hand so I can see it. And I want to pray a prayer with you right there where you stand. Okay, sir? I see your hand. Anybody else? I see your hand over here. Anybody else? Over here. Anybody else? Come on, let's all pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for shedding your blood so my sins could be forgiven. I surrender to you. I give my heart to you. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Fill me with your spirit and help me to live a Christian life. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.